Heroes, how is it going? The neurodivergent Avenger Hero Meta here. I hope you're doing well. I am so excited to be here. I'm so excited to announce Heroes Assembled Media. I'm so excited to announce our new podcast video and audio uh, series called Community Assembled. With that being said, I did not come alone. Of course not, Heroes. I had to bring someone with me. So I'm very happy, very proud to welcome Julia to a conversation with me just to talk about her time and her experience as a writer for the X-Men animated series. Now, for those who do not know, the X-Men animated series is now available on Disney Plus for your uh, binging needs. (laughs) It's there for you. This series was my introduction to the X-Men. This series was why I fell in love with the X-Men. So I'm very excited just to hear her side of the journey and how she was able to get this gig, if you will. And she not only was involved with the X-Men animated series, she was also involved with Gargoyles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, and many, many, many other projects. So I'm very excited to welcome Julia to Community Assembled. Let's begin this conversation. Julia, how's it going? Well, hello there. Okay, hang on one second. No uh, problem. The, checking the volumes here. Okay, so are we doing cameras today or or just audio? Just audio. Uh, just audio. Okay, all righty. And, and please, who are you? Where are you? When are you? Give me all the deets. <laughs> Not a problem. My name is a hero mentor, but my real name is Dave. I what live do you like in... to go by? What do you want to go by? Do you, do uh, like hero to... mentor, please. Sorry? Hero mentor. Okay, mm-hmm. hero mentor, you got it. Thank you so much. Uh, I live in Canada. I'm actually, I reside in Alberta. Mm. So in the province of one of your guys' stars of your series, uh, Wolverine is actually from. He's from Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So we have lots of uh, nice things here in Canada, not so much the weather. We usually have eight to ten months of winter. So <laughs> I will say I, I don't envy you that, but after I, yeah, everything else happening in, in middle America here with the Hurricane Ida, uh, your weather may not be so bad after all. <laughs> Are you guys within close proximity of that? No, no fortunately. Oh. Southern, Southern California, it's just, it's just, oh, okay. um, just wildfires here, that's all. Oh, and here, okay. Mentor, um, you're hearing Eric here. He's joined me today, if that's okay with you. Uh, of course. Or not, it's your call. Two of us, the price of one. I... We'll definitely celebrate that. That's not a problem at all. <laughs> okay. I, uh, um, I, I was actually prepared because I believe in our conversation via Twitter, you said we. So I, I just automatically assumed that he'd be joining. So welcome, Eric. Thanks, Zero Mentor. <laughs> How are you guys doing today? Uh, no, I've got a day. Our, our son and his fiance just got a new puppy. So they're all <laughs> It's not the same as a grandchild, but it's, you know, it's exciting for them. It's basically tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Puppies are awesome. What kind of puppy, may I ask? Uh, it's, just, it's, it's a bit of a mutt. Their first dog, they went all sorts of all very purebred and got a golden doodle. And this one, it's, it's a mutt rescue. So <laughs> Oh, rescue. Nice. Well, that is awesome, but thank you guys for taking the time to do this. I understand you guys are probably pretty busy, so I really appreciate the time. Sure. Thank you, and thank you for reaching out. Oh, most definitely. I, I uh, When they launched it on Disney+, Plus, I was like, with the power of social media, I should be able to, if not fine, interact with some of the, the amazing crew that created this series. So that's how I 
was able to come across the X-Men TAS official Twitter was just a Twitter search. And I was like, oh, my goodness, there's an actually an official Twitter account for this. I have to follow it. That would be me. And, and then, yeah, correct. And, and then I, I just could I believe uh, you have the X-Men TAS handle part of your uh, biography or sorry, not your biography, mm-hmm. your um, your caption, if you will, on your on your Twitter handle. And that's how I, I was able to find you as well. And I was like, okay, this is a shot in the dark here because <laughs> you guys are probably pretty busy. But I was like, you know what? This this animation, this this series was a huge part of my childhood because at that time I was going through a lot of depression and bullying and stuff. And I wasn't really familiar with the X-Men, like, uh, it, it, like in regards to comics. Uh, but when I started watching the cartoon and just the character development and how – uh, yourselves and the other writers and so forth were able to just help share these characters in a way that was both inspirational and just motivational. It's like, okay, I, I actually feel like I'm relatable to some of these characters. Um, so I want to say a huge thank you for that because that was a huge part of my childhood. And uh, we often sort of look, I'm sorry. We often sort of look at it and say, you know, the, the X-Men team was a found family these are people who came together and became a family um, and, and became that basically through the struggles they each individually endured, um, even though their struggles, hey, you know, it might be great to, to, to be able to fly and to be able to do all these things, but at, at what cost personally for Rogue, you know, that she couldn't be intimate with anyone. You know, each one of them had the, their biggest, their best, their coolest powers, if you will, was also the thing that was kind of their their um, inner darkest sadness, which we found very interesting. Well, I told you, like, uh, I, I, when I was growing up, one of the characters that was often made fun of the most or not taken seriously was Jubilee. Yeah. Um, due to I, her firework power. And I was like, and I related to her because it's like she didn't have the most astonishing powers, but she had a great character build with her. And I was like, I am very relatable with her. So even though she was often the most uh, laughed at, I found her to be one of the most relatable and the one of the most down to earth characters that you guys had. Um, Eric, that was when you were tapped to sort of create the template for the series, they, uh, Marvel had done pride of the X-Men a couple of years before, and that one had not done well that they couldn't sell that pilot. But that pilot had included uh, Kitty Pride. So then when two years later, doing X-Men, the animated series, the, the folks at Marvel had sort of brought in, Jubilee was the new young teen. And that's kind of how you guys uh, and, brought, got to use yeah, her. Yeah, and we, you know, we, we were sitting with all, all these very powerful 20-something adults. And we, Mark Edens and I were setting out the first story just absolutely believe the way in is to have somebody new and mm-hmm. the younger the better that doesn't know the x-men and so, so so that she can discover what they are along with the audience and they wouldn't we wouldn't have to have forced exposition we could just share her journey at the beginning mm-hmm. and after that i think we sometimes kind of neglected her a little because she was the youngest but in the first season she got a lot of airtime and believe it or not, at, at cons a lot of people you know, when they ask what their favorite character is, she's always in the top five. Yeah, that's been very gratifying. That's amazing because, yeah, like I said, she was often made fun of. But, like, if you actually look at her character and how she was 
written and portrayed. It's like, it's very powerful, especially when I was a teenager watching the show and going through my own, you know, personal struggles and just being able to see her grow. Like, like you said, the first season, she had a lot of airtime, which she did. And I think that's why she was probably, probably the biggest part of the conversation, if you will, because she was showing a lot and people were like, you know, who is this character and why is her powers not as visually or as acceptable as many others? And I was like, this is something I really, I make sure I had to bring this up because Jubilee was very underrated, I feel. So job well done there. I think too, uh, looking back at at specific episodes and the whole series arc, she had some of the most, um, I think, uh, iconic, important and heartfelt dialogue uh, when when she's being confronted and oh yeah you know um what what's so what's so wrong about being a mutant any what's so bad about being a mutant anyway or you know no, no, no. why, why do you, well, why, that was, that yeah. was why do you hate me why do you hate me you know why do you hate us and the answer the snarling because you were born I mean that's that's <laughs> as, that's as uh, bone deep as it gets you know in terms of uh, just that that ugly the, the ugly she had to take yeah yeah mm-hmm just very powerful stuff. And for those current viewers that are maybe not too familiar with Jubilee, it's kind of comparable to how Marvel's Avengers, the video game, wrote uh, Kamala Khan. Ah. Her part of the, the Avengers, which basically was the same arc where it's like she's young, she's new, not many people are familiar with her. And they just basically shared her journey of becoming an Avenger, basically similar to how Jubilee became part of the X-Men. So... It's, it's funny how many, many, many years later, they still realize, hey, if we bring in a new character that's not you know, quite familiarized or known, and we bring her in, it can attract younger viewers. And that's exactly what it did with Jubilee. Sure. Uh, and, another and moment. Oh, sorry. Go on. The fact that, that she herself, going through her adolescence, was kind of discovering her own powers anyway. She was not in full control of them. You know, the, in, in the pilot, you know, with, with her foster father saying, look what she did to the VCR just by touching it. You know, and the, the, she doesn't know how to control it. She's coming into this. She doesn't quite know how to um, utilize these these crazy powers that are manifesting in her. And, hey, if anybody who's gone through puberty or adolescence, we all know how weird that is. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the fact that she got to kind of be the audience, for be, be the audience's voice for that, you know, coming to terms with what it was she, uh, her own mutancy, I think was also pretty powerful. I agree. So I, I need to ask, how did you two get involved with this project? Like, were you guys diehard comic fans before going in? <laughs> Dare we admit the truth here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we got, got the call on a Sunday night uh, from the people. We knew the people at Fox. This is February, 1992. No internet. Yeah, no, no, no way to check up on this stuff. So we get Sunday night, we get the call from uh, Sydney Iwaner, who is a right-hand man for Margaret Lashley at Fox, and they're the two main executives running the kids' uh, department. And Eric and I had met writing TV animation at Disney yeah. uh, about three years before. Right. And, and we're now in the freelance market. We'd married in the freelance market, and you had done a year of... I did a year of Beetlejuice for those guys at Fox. Mm-hmm. And so I'd worked with them before, and I'd worked with Sydney once even before that. Uh, so it was a friend calling and he's saying, oh, tomorrow morning we're having a big meeting and we're going to announce the fact that you're going to be in charge of uh, writing the new, there's going to be an, an X-Men cartoon. And 
I honest to God said something. That's a Marvel book, right? <laughs> I didn't know it. And I mean, I'd, I'd read you know, Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and some other stuff when I was younger, but I really didn't know the X-Men at all. And so he said, yeah, Stan Lee's going to be there and like 30 people and all <laughs> the people, you know, putting the money in and all the, the head art, new head artists. And, and uh, so he just basically said, smile and nod your head and, and don't say anything <laughs> for three hours and we'll we'll work this out because it just was a case of you know he was the executive in charge and he had to think back through the people he'd worked with uh who he felt had kind of the right tone in his writing or the right just style the just the the right tool for the job and so he just he picked me for that not because i knew the, the characters at all we had to uh, my my co-head writer uh, didn't know them either, and so we some really long nights reading up on stuff. And again, no Google, no internet, no we, emails. We we had to you know borrow books from friends and go down to comic book stores and things. And so it it, uh, it was a quick it was a quick study. The folks at Fox had um, sort of uh, sealed Eric up for the deal by by saying to you, we we've got sh this show we're going to do. Will you be the story editor on this show? And you said yes. But then they, yeah, they hit it. They, uh, it was it was, it was it, hush hush. It was a ruse. That sh that was not the. And then that Sunday night before he's going in for his Monday morning meeting for this brand new show, you get the call and they so, say it's not that show. It's now this show. Yeah. So no no prep time. No but, prep time. But that was just Jeez. it was just it was I mean, and we started you know a little behind. So everybody everything was a rush. Uh, typically in animation, you hope to have like luxury is a year. Batman had a year and a half. And we so this was seven months until <laughs> when we're gonna go on the air. So everybody's writing and drawing as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. And luckily the artists all the head artists who were wonderful all knew the, the books really well. And we had a we had a very supportive advisor from Marvel who uh, who was the head of the, the books, his name Bob Harris. But he was in New York. because yeah. Marvel at that time had a New York office and what we were doing that was, was it. Well, that was, was it. There, there was no Los Angeles base. So it was very scattershot back then. Yeah, and and so and they were not the huge company they are now. They were a comic book company, mm -hmm. and they, in effect, I mean, this is hard to believe now, but they didn't have final say on any of the stories. Basically, it was Fox's show. Yep. And Fox was our was our our uh, bosses, and if we handed in a story, if the people at Marvel said, "Oh God, we hate this." We could say, well, you know, we're sorry you don't like it, but we do, so we're going to do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's not what Marvel today would structure a show. At all. At ever. All. Ever. So, uh, but yeah, it happened. Yeah. They were not the 800-pound gorilla they are today, and they were they were a su successful comic book company, but they were three and a half years away from bankruptcy as well. They had some business issues in the mid-'90s. So we were pretty much left on our own. We got support from them saying, oh yes, this, these stories that you guys are doing and the characters are in character and you're, you're, you're staying with the vision of, 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 of what the X-Men should be. But as far as specifics, you know, we came up with all the stories and we came up with all the, uh, you know, decided, you know, who to focus on and who not. And uh, they, they could advise, but it was, it was basically, as I say, it was Fox's show and, and, uh, we were doing it. So it was in that way, it was a, a amazing anomaly for what ended up being a big, uh, a big successful television show. 
at the time they didn't think it was going to be there this is hard for you to imagine <laughs> but you probably remember when you're a little kid that there were no marvel movies uh, -uh. uh so there was that just wasn't something they'd been successful with yet and so when we got hired for this nobody in hollywood and I don't even think Marvel thought, ah, this isn't going to go anywhere. This is going to be one and done. And so we were all let go after we wrote and drew the first series. All of us. I was a writer season, on the show. The first 13 episodes. Mm -hmm. And we were all let go. We all took other jobs. We were waiting for the animation to get finished and come back and see if the audiences would like it or not. That's crazy because, uh, yeah, before X-Men, the only character that I became uh, familiar with due to a live action movie was the Punisher that was played by Dolph Lundgren. Those, and, and, uh, yeah, then they had like a, a Captain America TV movie and, and they had, you know, the, the incredible Hulk with um, live action, live action on a TV series. And I really enjoyed that. But, but uh, again, going back to 1992, Marvel was not in a good place financially. And, it was not. No. And they were having real troubles trying to get anything off the ground. So, and again, go back in time in 1992. If you ask people, name me three superheroes, you would get probably Wonder Woman, Batman, Spider Man, maybe Superman. But people didn't know the names of the X Men people back then. Which, and I, I like to think that the show is responsible for that, <laughs> for introducing a whole generation to uh, the X Men themselves, and then paving the way for what has become the Marvel universe uh, with, with the movies that then the X-Men movies that then begat Iron Man, which then begat the Marvel universe. You know, I like to think we had a, we had a part in that. I would definitely say so. Like, you know, like, like I mentioned in the introduction that I recorded before this and to you is this was my introduction to, to X-Men. I didn't know anything about X-Men before this cartoon. And to be quite honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of glad that this was the, opportunity I had to get introduced to the X-Men because uh, being neurodivergent and being with ADHD, like I'm fascinated more by animation and movies than I am comics. Hmm. So I probably wouldn't have been able to even sit down and read an X-Men comic, but because it was, it was animation, it was so colorful. And can we please give a shout out to that theme song? Cause even now in 2021, that theme song rocks. Like <laughs> You are 100% right. Oh. 100 right. Uh, and if we can, we'll, we will uh, give the shout out to a fellow named Ron Wasserman, who is the guy who was uh, under contract as a weekly composer player uh, at that time. And he's the one who, after how many iterations, got that song right. And he also deserves credit because he's the guy who wrote the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers theme song. Same guy. Same guy. And, and didn't, didn't make an extra penny off of either one. Nope. Because <laughs> he was working really? Yeah, but he yeah, wrote he was on staff at, at Saban, and so it was just part of his job mm -hmm. to crank those things out. Two That's of a great legacy. Isn't it though? <laughs> oh, yes, I agree. I agree. Remarkable. Those two theme songs are iconic. Yep. 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 So, so you guys, you know, uh, Eric was invited to uh, the project very um, quickly. <laughs> and then you said that you guys were let go after the 13 series were written. So right. how did the journey happen for the second season? So Eric was hired to be the developer television by showrunner for the first, for the only 13. Yeah. 
uh, I got I was hired on as as a, a writer of a, a individual script, the one uh, Days of Future Past Part One, and then yeah, like like Eric was saying, we were all let go. We were all moving on to different projects. Eric, you and Mark Edens and Michael Edens went over and did Exo Squad for Universal for three months and got that on its feet. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we got the call, you know, uh, in January after its proper premiere. There'd been a couple sneak previews in October and, no and November. Uh, but the, officially, it premiered the eighth of, of January, and by the second showing, I guess, so by the by the fifteenth of January, they knew they had a huge hit. So they called everybody. Everybody's gonna come back. And of course, we couldn't get everybody back. We, you know, there are certain people that just were committed to other stuff. So we, you know, we made do. But uh, luckily, I I had made it part of my deal uh, at Exo Squad on my dude on that job that if Exo got picked up, I would go back to it. So, so I was in a good in a good position. I lost a couple of my top writers. Mm -hmm. uh, we lost an artist or two, but uh, most of the best people uh, came back, and we kept the kept the continuity. And from then on, of course, they were very careful since it was making them lots of money. They were care careful to keep us on contract, and that didn't happen again. But speaking of contracts and money, <laughs> uh, again, animation writer. Uh, and so when the call came that it's it, it got picked up for the second season, yeah. and then it was the third and the fourth season that you got a long season. Third, fourth, season. fifth, we got basically three and one. After two seasons, it was making doing so well, they just committed to to thirty nine more uh, episodes at once. So but, that yeah. So for the next twelve episodes, thirteen through twenty four, um, on the writing side of things as one of the writers, it's like, oh boy, it's a hit. You know, this is great. We've worked on this show and it's wonderful. Mm. But the guy in charge of the money looked at us all and said, okay, all right. You know, we, you know, you want to write another script for the show? Uh, I'm going to pay you $500 less. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> You're going to pay us less to write on the show? And he was, I've got a line of people out the door who would kill to work on this show. You want to work on this show? I'm paying you five hundred dollars less. It's like, oh. not that this is bitter or anything. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, 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 contrary to the Hollywood myth, you know that oh, you make you get a hit show and everybody's salary doubles. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. it doesn't always happen that way. So, like uh, the success happens, everything's going well. I I will also agree that you uh, you and the team were probably the beginning for the MCU because. Ooh. Let's let's compare the X Men animation series to the Fox live action trilogy that grew so much more yeah. with Hugh Jackman and all them. Did you guys have a chance to work with that team at all? Um. <laughs> would have been nice. Yeah, would have uh, been nice. Hollywood, yeah. It would have, right? Hollywood's yeah. very uh, compartmentalized. Yep. Okay. Um, if you've got a you know, hundred million dollar movie, and you're an executive trying to decide who gets to write it. On one hand, if you've got, say, someone like me who's just spent five years uh, working with these characters, but is a quote unquote TV writer, not only a TV writer, but an, an animated TV writer, you, if the film fails, you're going to look terrible for taking a chance on somebody who doesn't fit. So it never would occur to the the feature film division. To talk to somebody from the television division, it's just it they're 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 just separate tribes out here. And I mean, it's even to the point where 
I can remember a friend that was a, a, a sitcom writer who was very successful. And he went to a meeting and said, oh, well, you're an 8 p.m. sitcom writer. We need a 9 p.m. sitcom writer. Uh, you know, the, and this is all live action. Yeah, Don't even yeah, get into the animation very, divide. Very, yeah, very, very, very uh, specialized and very much. Um, it's it, it, it would be an odd leap. Now, there is a bit of a history there. Uh, when they were trying to figure out the, the script for the for the feature movie. And if I can jump in here, uh, Margaret Lash, who was the president of Fox Kids, had been going to the feature film people at Fox saying, this show is a hit, this show is a hit, and you need to do a live action movie. Feature, and the, the live action people hadn't even thought about it. Eh, you know, it's, I know it's a number one cartoon, it's making the TV people a lot of money, but eh, I can't see it as a movie. But she, so she talked them into it. Took them seven years to make <laughs> that decision, but. So they got, they're, they're, do, they're, uh, they're doing it, and they're trying to figure out if the script's good. And having troubles, they're you know like six eight weeks away from starting production, and evidently enough people read the script that they had at you know after four or five revisions, and were troubled by it that they send it around to three or four of us to to me to Will Minio who was the art he was the head producer on the show he really designed the show and he really knew he really set the tone for the whole series mm -hmm. so Will and I both got uh, a you know, a script copy to give notes on. And we each gave them about 10 pages of notes on it and said, basically, you know, this isn't an X-Men story. It's it's just not right. And the one we read then where they're just about to go into production, they don't become the X-Men until the last scene in the movie. They get their, their uh, uniforms then, and there's like seven or eight random people before that who happen to get to meet each other. And which, you know... A, that's not the way, that isn't the origin story in the in the books at all. But B, it just made it so that the whole movie wasn't what we enjoyed about the X-Men being a family. It was, you know, eight strangers happening to be thrown together and fighting some bad guys and ending up deciding to live together. And so it was, it was just, it was just one, it wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to give our notes on it. Um, but that was, that was the, uh, and they they did change it around and they did rethink it. But they didn't invite you back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that did that didn't get us uh, you know a ticket for the premiere. That was yeah. it was just expected that that was a, a kind of a gift from us to them to to help them figure it out. But but yeah, it was uh, we we were not involved in the in the movies. Uh, we respect a lot about you know God to have those that talented. Oh. Uh, live action actors. Oh and, my gosh! And that kind of money and that kind of production values. There's stuff we would have written differently. We think in in some of the stories, but we I couldn't imagine a better casting than Xavier and Wolverine and Magneto. Uh, Magneto. I mean, those people were amazing actors. So so as far as a, a wish fulfillment <laughs> from, from our point of view, in terms of how would you cast a live action group, they did really well on that i would definitely agree like the uh the casting for the live action was was spot on and i was listening to hugh jackman speak about how he got casted as wolverine and he didn't even know he was auditioning for wolverine he thought he was well he was auditioning as like a wolf man uh -huh. so like he so he said he showed up to the audition and he was like trying to act like a wolf and like trying to sound like a wolf and the the cast director's like what are you doing <laughs> he's like you're playing wolverine and he's like i don't know who that is there you go and 
And then he became one of the best and the current longest reigning contracted superhero actor of all time. And it's like, yeah. it's funny how the animation series became like a, uh, like a, it went from like an, uh, it might be good to the biggest hit. And then the same thing happened with, with Hugh Jackman being casted as, as Wolverine where he's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot and see how it goes. I, I just, I had to ask that question because I know a lot of fans who are my age, which is 35 and between that, you know, 30 and 35, they're like, was there any correlation at all between the animated series and the live action? Because even though we enjoyed the live action, it wasn't the best it could have been, which obviously is any for any, for any movie, but a lot of fans feel that we didn't get the best Wolverine until Logan. And that was the last time that we, yeah. we rumored we'll, we'll see Hugh Jackman play Wolverine. And I'm like, I cannot remember the voice actor's name. So please, you know, let me know his name that, that voiced uh, Wolverine in the oh, anime yeah. series. And yes, Keldar. there it is. Thank you. And his iconic bub, like <laughs> whenever I think of Wolverine, I, I immediately think of Bob or or that infamous, that very, very popular scene of him laying in bed and looking at the picture of, of uh, Jean Grey. And yeah. so when you when you grow up with those stories that you guys wrote and the production you guys created, and then you see a live action, you just you have that part of you that wishes you see some of the scenes that you guys wrote in the animation, you know brought to live action and we didn't see we didn't get to see if any of this the scenes and i think that was a huge letdown for the fans like myself and possibly you guys as well where you're like you didn't have any of your guys's work translate into the feature films i i will say speaking as a female <laughs> look they've got they got a world-class cast for the live action films but even with that, I do not think the women were as well served as they could have been. Uh, Storm is just this magnificent, cool. you know, and and they I, I don't think they quite knew what to do with the Storm character in the live action movies. And they made Rogue. You got, you and they got, made Rogue the Jubilee character, which was also you know that was their decision, but it made her the young one who was entering the the X Men yeah. family, and we were seeing it through her eyes. Again, calls that I might not have, if I'd been in charge. But um, yeah, and I do wish, just speaking up for the gals, you know, that the women had, had been as well served as, as as some of the men characters. Yeah, and we didn't we didn't expect them to 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 actually to adapt directly from from what we've done. Just like most of what we did wasn't a direct adaptation from comic books, but but there were there were differences in focus and differences in tone and things just that. Like they did a different version of uh, 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 Days of Future Past, and we just we liked the way our story lay, played out better than the way their story played out. So <laughs> it just you know they made their version, we made our version, and and the fans like what they like, and so uh, it's but you know you kind of have to you kind of have to let go. It's like let's yeah. say if. If if you're making a movie, uh, a Sherlock Holmes movie, there have been you know 40 of them before, and other you know each new person puts his own stamp on it and sees the character in a slightly different way. So we you know we expected that, um, but uh, we you're right. Uh, the, the the movie Logan. If you're curious, we uh, we were friends with the guy who 
co-created Wolverine with Len Wein, the writer who uh, for Marvel for so many brilliant yeah. years. And so we had him on, and he did four scripts for us uh, and on the show. And he passed recently, and we got to see him again before he passed. That he'd seen the movie Logan, he was very pleased with it. He just, you know, he basically said, "Yeah, that's that's a character that I came up with in 1974." And uh, I'm so he was. He was pleased the way you know the, the way he's that developed and just uh, the the movie logan is so much more about the characters and we tried to do that mm -hmm. we didn't have two and a half hours to tell a story we had 22 minutes to tell a story so we tended to focus it on the character as much as we could on the characters and we put in the action when it was necessary but our we tried to make our stories about the characters the way the movie logan was rather than about who's fighting who there was one. Uh, we have a couple of quick stories about uh, Hugh Jackman and Cal, uh, Cal Hugh Jackman, Cal Dodd story. Cal Dodd being the the brilliant voice for art for us of Wolverine, and he he did cross paths with um, Hugh Jackman before Hugh Jackman when he's about to start doing Wolverine in movies. He said Hugh Jackman looked at him and said, "Man, I am sick of listening to your voice because." <laughs> Dodds on on audio cassette and was listening to it over and over and over to yeah. try and get the right rhythms and feeling down yeah. for Wolverine because Cal Dodd is my iconic Wolverine. He's the voice I hear in my head. Yeah, you know, as so many of those voices from the animated series are. And Eric, you were saying Bob Harris, the fellow who was in charge yeah. of New York, went yeah. to Canada for the voice casting. Yeah, there's a kind of a weird thing. <clears throat> this doesn't wouldn't necessarily work for you. Uh, uh, because you saw the TV show first, but Bob Harris had grown up for almost 30 years when reading the X-Men books and had a sense of who they were inside his head. But since there'd been no TV show or no movie, he didn't really know what they sounded like. And there he is in the recording booth as they were casting the series and hearing people like Cal Dodd or Lenore Zahn as Rogue speaking Wolverine and Rogue lines and say, oh my, he said, it just chills went up and down his spine because these things were coming to life, voices were coming to life that he'd lived with for 30 years, but had never heard out loud, which is just kind of, which is an unusual way of thinking about characters that you mm -hmm. learn to love. Yeah. You know, if it's, say it's a novel that you've read and they suddenly are gonna make a mo movie about it. and it's maybe not at all what you imagined, or maybe it's exactly what you imagined. But, but yeah, Bob had that story for sure. I can I can definitely relate to that because now I, I have been uh, starting to read a lot of X Men comics, and when I read the comics and I'm reading panels of Wolverine and Rogue, I I hear those voices. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like, yep. So it, you know, it's just like this series was. Um, as you said, it, it was a catapult, and that's exactly how I feel. Um, like I, another reason I, I love the X-Men animated series more than the, the, the uh, live action was I never felt that the, uh, the X-Men animated series was a one-person show. Yeah. I was, I was thoroughly involved with each character, whereas the Fox live action, I felt like I was watching the Wolverine show. And that's a, a lot of uh, a lot of fans also share that that same feeling too, where they're like, it felt like a family. So when you were both mentioning that that was your guys's viewpoint, yeah. you guys hit it on the on the noggin. Like the, the, that's exactly how us fans feel. Like they're one giant family. 
that is a question that's come up in, uh, with folks asking about the show. You know, um, why, why couldn't there be more episodes about other X-Men characters? But you take a step back and realize that there were nine characters in the, in the core team right there. And, and trying to service those characters was it's provided a lot of challenge to give each one of them their own stories, to keep them active, to keep them involved. And keep a balance so that you're right, so that, the, the, that everybody would have individual stories. We had to work at that. Yeah. That was actually something that we became conscious of. Wolverine is such a compelling and colorful, colorful character. It's the reason he's the most popular by far in the books. Um, but we had to work to, okay, well, let's minimize him here. Maybe he doesn't even show up in this episode uh, because we wanted to give give the balance. But he is, it is easy to do that. Like one of the following animated series after this was Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm -hmm. And we don't think it worked very well because it did lack the balance. It became the Wolverine show. And that's just not, you know, this group isn't, set up to be that they're set up to be uh one big family like like i think that's a big that's a tv thing you know you, you if if you think about it you've got friends and you've got six friends that are very different people but they all have each other's back and they all love each other even if they want to strangle each other uh half the time and the the, the tv show wouldn't have been a half as good if it was chandler and the other friends it, you know, uh -huh. it, had to be, it had to be the six of them and the six of them are what the six of them together are what made what made a difference. And I, I definitely agree because uh, when I think of the animated series and I think of Storm, I think that she was Thor level in the, the animated series. Like she was powerful. But then in the uh, live action, I felt she was, you know, the most common phrase now is is nerfed. Like she was weakened. Mm -hmm. And she felt like a side character, and I was like, uh, like I, I went into these series, or sorry, into the uh, Fox live action, comparing by default to the animated series because that's all, that's all I knew. And I was like, this is wrong. I shouldn't be comparing them because it's completely different entities. But you just you get so attached to characters yeah. more than you do the uh, the actors and who play them. And Halle Berry was an amazing as Storm. It's just the way that they wrote her as like she was this. Um, superhero that had powers but only when she was told she can use them yeah, um, yeah. They, didn't give, they didn't give her scenes they didn't give her much to do they just i think she was an afterthought to them and i don't know why they they missed with her but they should have yeah. missed with her yeah oh they they could have definitely had the spin-off uh movies with just her yeah. like uh, a lot of fans don't know that Storm and Black Panther were married in the comics. Mm -hmm. Like she, yeah. very powerful character that could have had her own universe. And when I when I saw the announcement for Days of Future Past live action, and that they're you know they were recasting for a a new Storm, I was excited because I was like, oh, maybe this would be an opportunity for Storm to get that that spotlight. But it just was the same pattern again, where it was just Mo Wolverine, it was Magneto. And they had all these certain characters that they were focused on. And I'm like, this doesn't feel like an X-Men um, universe. It feels like it's a group like Cyclops is one of my favorite X-Men. And I felt that he was portrayed very weakly in um, the live action uh, movies. Where yeah, yeah. in the he, comics, he's, the, you know, he, he's an amazing in the comics. And, and it was a challenge in the animated series because he is 
he is always trying to do the right thing. And that often bumps up against uh, a character like Wolverine who, who has his own idea of what the right thing is, but keeping that was, that was a, 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 a challenge in, in writing for, for Cyclops in, in the animated series. But, but the fact that you're a fan of his, I think tells you that, that you did well. got it conveyed. It was conveyed. You did good. You did good here. You know, take that shadow. <laughs> <laughs> you guys did good with, with Cyclops because Cyclops is, is so cool. And I feel like in the live action, he was like, like you said, a side character and he's just there to help the, the, you know, the leader, if you will. And uh, so the, the whole family dynamic is something that I felt was completely ignored in the live action. And maybe it's because you guys had like uh, more time to develop because you guys had uh, 13 episodes the first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you had a couple other seasons at that. So you probably had like a little more time, but you guys did it so well. Like I don't look at the animated series and say, you know what? Gambit wasn't given enough airtime. He was. Um, Rogue, Beast. I'm just like every character in that series I'm reminded of. I, I don't think of just Wolverine, even though he had the, you know, that very contagious bub line. <laughs> and then, and then Jean Grey w- with her sugar, like it just, oh, oh so dear. Rogue, Rogue <laughs> with her sugar. <laughs> oh yeah. Sorry. Sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar <laughs> was Rogue. Sorry. And it's just mm-hmm. like, just a job well done. And it's just, it shows you guys that here we are in 2021, almost 2022. Mm-hmm. And that series is still on the pedestal. Like it's, it's still highly recommended. Like I told my son, if you want to get in the comics, watch this animation series first. Aww. And he's and I'm just like, this is the best portrayal that you'll have. And he's like, well, how about the live actions? I'm like, no, you can pass those. <laughs> <laughs> the animated series is, is where it's at. Like, if you want close to comic material, this is what you're gonna get. And so I just like I, I wanted to invite you guys on just to share some stories and talk about the process because I knew there had to be some process there because <laughs> I not at the time, obviously, when I was like in 1992, I was six years old. But now looking back, I was like, yeah, Marvel was not doing good at that time. That's why Fox got a lot of the characters and mm-hmm. later on Sony because they were not doing good. So you guys have that that imprint on your legacy of we helped build this up. And we and, and you, uh, you also mentioned you get to work with Stan Lee, which I can imagine itself was a dream come true. Yeah. You... You mentioned um, the, the the whole thing with the the rights issues and stuff. I mean, Marvel at that time it really was falling apart, was and struggling. things were being sold off to different entities. And for like the last fifteen years, um, there had been no real home for the animated series. You couldn't. There was never a box set released here in the United States. There was never a Blu-ray of the DVDs released, and it wasn't really being shown on air. It wasn't until Disney got Marvel and started showing X-Men again on the Disney Plus channel, that it's like, wow, a whole new generation is being introduced to, to the show that we've been sort of beating the drum for in the wilderness for a while. And, and, and I mean, it's a, fun, it's a fun thing for you guys in Canada to know that the, the entire cast is Canadian. Mm-hmm. And, right. <laughs> and that's, that that, was a, that ended up being a big thing. I mean, Toronto was really full of quality actors. Theatrical. And, yeah. uh, big theater scene. And... Uh, Beetlejuice have been the same thing. It's all 
Canadian. Now they had been smart and they 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 took a slight pay cut over the American. So you know we're sitting here in Southern California and there are fifty thousand actors around us. And what are we doing? We're recording our show three thousand miles away in Toronto. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it ended up being a great thing because they just uh, they just really let loose and became the serious adult dramatic cast that, mm-hmm. that we wanted it, it wasn't it wasn't easy at first i mean all of them you know they you know uh people up there had worked with uh people down here before and the first couple passes we got at the show were, were more cartoony were more you know kind of scooby-doo uh sounding and it's just that it, it's hard to imagine now but nobody had done a really serious adult uh, ca- cartoon like this before for Saturday morning television. And so it just took everybody just reminding them guys, you know, uh, we're doing, we're doing something different here. We're doing something very adult and very dramatic. And that's, you know, that's why we picked you because you, you know how to do that. And so it ended up, it ended up just ended up being great. And I think one of the things that distinguishes the show is how serious the cast got. I mean, I used to get notes, worried notes from people about, oh, where's where's all the funny stuff? We, you know, we're missing all the goofy little kitty funny stuff, and you know, serious, really worried that there were the kids wouldn't enjoy the show because there wasn't enough humor in it. And I said, no, you just don't understand. X Men is about being heroic. It's not about being funny, and they end up being funny sometimes, uh, but it's uh, it's not the focus of the show. Totally agree. Totally. And like, not only did you guys, this TV series or animation series open the door for the live action, but it also led to a lot of great video games that <laughs> were, were centered around the X-Men because I was like, you know what? I've been watching Wolverine, Beast and Rogue and Jean Grey, but now I want to play as them. And growing up as a kid who's a huge gamer and still is and be able to play as the X-Men characters. I was like, this is, the best like feeling in the world is being able to know I can watch the cartoon. And, and and you guys mentioned a good point where that explained why I could never find a Blu-ray or a DVD or anything for the collection that I want to grow. And thank you to Disney plus for bringing it back on because I, when they first announced the whole Disney and Fox conversations, I was excited because I knew it meant X-Men. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, yes, they got to bring that series back. Like they have to bring it back because it's relevant. It, it always has been relevant, but it's just, it was forgotten because of the live action series. Yeah. And just, just seeing, um, well, well, you guys see it on, on Twitter. Cause I see guys retweeting a lot of, of parents mentioning like, Oh, my son's watching it or my daughter's watching it. And that probably makes you guys feel really good where you're it, like, it's just it's decades later. And yes. you're like, it's still, relevant it's still yeah. part of the marvel um universe it's canon if you will <laughs> you know what? and and the the fact that uh one of the surprises when when the show started uh because it, it took a while to get ratings in you know uh back then there wasn't the instant immediate gratification <laughs> knowledge of this stuff but ratings came in and it it was like oh okay so the target demographic you're you're nine to twelve year old boys okay that's it's it's number one, but wait a minute! All the all the younger kids, you know, the 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 six to to six to six to nine and the four to six, they're they're number one as well. And then 
that you just kept checking the, the folks aging up. It, people in college dorm rooms were watching it in the common room at universities, and parent, you know, adults at home were watching it. It was the number one animated series across the board age-wise, which we weren't expecting, but it was very gratifying that it really did seem to hit. Um, there was something there for everybody, whether it was the bright, shiny costumes or whether it was some of the just authentically heart-wrenching uh, struggle for these characters. Just legacy. That's what you guys <laughs> built. You guys built legacy and just the uh, just to be able to say that you were part of that journey. I'm just like, okay, this is like goosebumps just thinking about being able to say, my name is Julia or my name is Eric, and I was part of that team. Just just the just the honor of being able to do that. Now, I do have some uh, community questions that were sent sure. to me. Okay. Oh, but, but before that, we get into that, can I yeah, jump totally. in? Totally. One last of course. thing. We're, we're singing, let us, let us be happy for Disney Plus, uh, having X-Men the Animated Series available in most countries at this point, which is wonderful. But... Not everything's in order, mm -hmm. and we, we were you were, we were talking about Cyclops, and uh, I think the the Dark Phoenix and the Phoenix Sagas are, are just rent, really heart wrenching. But at the end of is it uh, the first? The end of the first one, the end of the Phoenix Saga. You, the, the, what they have out of order. The next show is supposed to be No Mutant is an Island. island. So <laughs> if you're watching it at home, watch the Phoenix Saga and then go find. The next the episode called No Mutant is an Island. Scott is grieving for losing for losing Jean at the beginning. That's a good thing to bring up. I it, never it, thought of that. It's in effect the sixth episode in the Phoenix saga. So just one of the few small things. But go ahead. What's but what no, what happened was the animation came back from that so from that episode so bad. It was delayed for two years. Two years. That episode. <laughs> Two years. So, so Scott didn't grieve for two two seasons. But then he does <laughs> grieve two seasons in, and Gene is like, "Wait, what the hey?" So yeah, <laughs> Double Mutant is an island. That that's find that after you've watched the Phoenix Saga, and that's a, yeah. That, well, thank you for noting that because I never noticed <laughs> that, and I probably never would have. So so that's a great uh, disclaimer, if you will. So yeah. the first question, um, you guys both mentioned that you guys were not really big into Marvel or comics beforehand. But after this journey, you might be able to answer this. No specific order, but who are your top five Marvel characters? Oh, Marvel? Just uh -huh. overall. Or X-Men. Marvel or X-Men. Whichever wow. is easier for you. Um, X-Men's easier. <laughs> I, I guess Beast as a writer, I had such fun writing for Beast. You know, he's, he's the smartest guy in the room. He's romantic. You know, he's, he, he was the fun one for me to write for. And so much of what his character was about, I, I so enjoyed. And the fun was trying to out quote every other writer, like what, what <laughs> your quote would Beast come up with? And we had to use Bartlett's. Um, this is, this is, again, pre-Google. Pre, pre yeah, couldn't so, Google. Had so we come had up. to look, look up quotes in books. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, Beast, uh, uh, everybody obviously, Wolverine is great fun to write for. Uh, but, and most of, about half the writing staff was from the South, so we, we all enjoyed writing for Rogue. Yep. Uh, I'm from Tennessee, Georgia, <laughs> Texas. Two of my, my two main writers out of the 20 different people we used were both from Tennessee one, and one from Alabama. And so, the pilot, you look about as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I can't see <laughs> it. Lenore Zan did yeah. Yeah. Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. So, obviously, Wolverine was fine. Uh, and, and and rogue and beast of all things. I mean, not somebody most people mentioned, but for me, 
since I was kind of the, the father figure for the writing staff, mm -hmm. I felt a great deal of empathy for, for Xavier. So I felt like I had to kind of get all these people with very different personalities and maybe even different visions for the show and get it all to keep streamlined and, and keep like it's the same show. And so I, I felt kind of like Xavier a lot of the time, keeping the X-Men in order. Mm -hmm. And who else, you know, who else? I just, you know, I, I got Gambit, you got, you can't, <laughs> get, you, you got to, I mean, I don't know if we could write that character the, in 2021, you know, <laughs> coming on to every woman he meets. But in, but in defense of the series, when he, when he was, you know, uh, being uh, Gambity to Rogue, she's stronger than he is. There was never, it was never about an inequality of power that he could overpower her. She, she was always in, you know, all, in fact, all the women on the team. You know, it was it was a real interesting meeting of equals there. They they yeah. there was never any of that. Yeah, you never you never felt like Storm couldn't handle herself. Yeah. yeah. And I, I agree because like that was my biggest thing was um, when you mentioned X Men the animated series, you always mentioned women. Yeah. It's never just like I like Beast Gambit Wolverine. It's all it's Beast Gambit Wolverine Storm like mm -hmm. Rogue Rogue to me. Just, just, just from my own personal perception here, Rogue to me was if I had to pick one standout, I would pick Rogue. Yeah. Like she was beast mode in in that series. Yeah. Oh, do, do you do you know do you know who the actress is in real life? You being a, a oh, Canadian. Yes. Okay. I do not actually. Well, you'll, you'll have to, you'll have to write her a fan letter. Uh, Rogue Lenore Zan is. The the MP she is she is a rep the representative for Nova Scotia in your parliament. No way. Yep. No, no yep. kidding. So <laughs> Serious she she writes laws for Canada. Net, yes. And she's about five foot one, five foot two, and spunky. And she tells other legislators that she was rogue, and they get weak in the knees. She is a member of Parliament in Canada. Uh, and uh, ministerial assistant to Deputy Prime Minister of Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's that's Rogue. Wow, that's a transition. <laughs> that's a transition from being a, a voice actress for Rogue. That's that's you know that's badass. That was like wow. Yeah, Rogue. Rogue is is definitely a standout for me. Like I just I loved her quick wit mm. and her confidence, her swagger. Um, I, I do agree being six years old at the time and, and, and even older catching up on the series. I never once thought Storm or Rogue or Jean Grey were weaker then yeah. or lesser than. Yep. And that's exactly where you guys, I think, won the most comparatively to the live action is I didn't feel any of the characters were weak. I felt that uh, they all had their own strengths or weaknesses, but they never, I can never sit there and say, you know, there's one character that I feel was overpowering to them all. And um, another question I had from the community was, are you guys excited for the X-Men coming to the MCU? Tell us what you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, don't, we don't know a lot of details. The, the thing to me. We well, know some details. No, we don't. <laughs> They, yeah, no, they don't tell us, but yeah. but it kind of it kind of scares me because I I liked of of all of all the I liked the first the the first Avengers movie, the Avengers Assemble, where they all get together, and yeah. I'm thinking, okay, 
that's hard enough. It's hard enough getting like six or seven major Marvel heroes together and getting them to make one clear story and one clear movie that is fun to sit through. I said, oh my God, what are they going to do? You've got 20 or 30 or 40 uh, characters in the MCU now. You, you're going to mm -hmm. dump 20 X characters in there <laughs> and mix it up. It, it just As someone who used to be responsible for the stories, it just scares me more than it excites me because I said, how are you going to... I mean, fans love this. They love saying, oh, what's going to be like, you know, Wolverine bumps, you know, gets to know Iron Man, you know, whatever. Oh. These, you know, when Thor puts the moves on Rogue, <laughs> what if, you know, they're, they're fun what if kind of things. Yeah. But the, the idea of trying to mix all those together, it just, it just weighs on me. It just, it feels like, oh God, that would, that would kill me. But we'd be up for the challenge. Yeah, oh yeah, well, I do it in a second. But yeah. but yeah, that's that's my my reaction. Oh God, how are they going to manage it and not just wear us all out and make the movie five hours long? But looking at the Disney Plus series these but days, they, oh my God, they seem to be capable of doing it. Wandavision, Loki, all this, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, all this stuff that they've been able to juggle. They've been able, you know, however they manage it, they must have a team of. People. <laughs> 50 people keeping all this straight. Yeah. Because it just... Uh, it, and it looks phenomenal. Uh, yeah, and they're putting the money into it. Yeah. And they're casting well. And, you know, they just... You know, so we wish we had that challenge. Yeah, How about more that? power to them. Yeah. And I just... It, it's it's too much for my old brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't asked if you guys are staying up to date on the, on the TV series, but that, that answered my question for me, uh, that you guys are... Yeah. Like the the Disney Plus series are phenomenal. Like they're they're movie quality to me. Like when I watched the first yeah. episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah. I was like, I'm I feel like I'm watching a movie right now. We yeah. did the same thing. Like, the opening sequence is like, how did they wait? What this is a series? This isn't a movie. How could they, how could they do this? <laughs> yeah, and I think they're being really smart and and sacrificing immediate profits. In other words, spending all this money on a TV show when. Nine out of ten executives would say, "Oh no, 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 no! You don't need to spend half this much. You know, we can clear look. They're building this thing that keeps people happy and keeps people coming back. Yeah, we don't know what they're building, but we yeah. like, yeah, yeah. The the MC, the, the, the ever growing MCU, as long as they keep, and they, I think they sense as long as they keep the quality up and keep trying as hard as they're trying, even if they may have some misses, and even if." If you know, not every series can be great. Not every movie can be great. Some of them just kind of get past. You know, as long as people can tell that they're not phoning it in, you know, they will get people coming back. You know, series after series after movie after movie, mm -hmm. and they they've earned it. Hundred percent agree. Now, there is a lot. There's been a lot of talk about them launching a new animation studios sector uh -huh. on Disney Plus. Now. I understand because I, I, the reason why I heard about that was because the X Men TAS Twitter retweeted something like that. There was an executive from Marvel, I think, uh, a, a gal at a conference who said we're we're looking to do a Marvel animated, a Marvel animation studio. I'm all over that. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> but... they're really smart about it. I mean, they've got all the rights together now because they didn't have the, the X Men rights for together for, for a long, long time. time. And they, they, I think they're planning. What well, we've heard. In town here, because we're in Glendale, California. Yeah, yeah. Which we're, in the, we're, we're in the middle of all this. A big animation. But yeah, community. they are planning to do, you know, a dozen. They're planning, to, you know, 
three years from now, we'll probably be looking back. They will have they will have a dozen animated uh, series on, and that's you know, hallelujah. They got the characters to to support it. There were we don't uh, know what they will be. Yeah, but, yeah. But if they're uh, gearing up, that's great news for everybody. Yeah, and it, it, other people had been doing some of these you know bits and pieces. Uh, there were two or three ones that started last year, and Modoc came through, but the others were canceled. But they've all now consolidated it, and it looks like. From what we hear third hand, that <laughs> that they're going to be doing a lot of shows, a lot of the, these major MCU uh, shows, and it wouldn't you know it wouldn't surprise us if there was an X the X Men in the mix, but that's just that's that, just us being fans. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys get a call. Okay. Thank you. We'll appreciate Thank it. you. Let's put it out <laughs> please. Yeah, we're you, right that here. Legacy needs to carry on. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming you guys have watched the What If animation series. So yes. uh, what's your thoughts on that? We've seen three, three so far. We really enjoy it. You know, in, in a perfect world, huge fans of what uh, DC has been able to do over the years, uh, you know, starting with the Batman series. But then I've always, I was always jealous of their, like, 90-minute uh, direct-to-home video animated, animated films. Yes. Did. Amazing. And, I, you know, I'm looking at the What If, and I'm going, golly, Guys, you know, there's there's so much one could do if one had 90 minutes. Yeah, yeah. over the last 30 years, since about the time X Men started, they could have done a hundred, you know, 90 minute animated films now if they had the right people in place and the in the right vision. I think looking forward, they're, they're besides doing series. If if I were them again, not, but <laughs> my vote would be that they also do 90 minute an, you know animated stories because things like the Phoenix Saga. Oh. Just lend themselves to that length of a telling. Yeah. And uh, my my opinion on the the Spider Man, the recently animated Spider Man, that that was the best Spider Man mo theatrical movie so far. Oh, Into the Multiverse! My gosh, that was mm -hmm. astonishing. Yeah, film. but they did a beautiful beautiful job with that. And there's just there's wide open spaces as far as these characters can support ninety minute stories. It doesn't have to be twenty two minutes. I agree. Like I, I can definitely see some great quality series coming with at ninety minutes. Like, can you imagine if you guys had the power, the the manpower, the time, the money to do a ninety minute um, series? Yeah. Like with the characters you guys had, and like I can only imagine the quality that you guys would write for Days of Future Past with a ninety minute time slot. Hey, yeah. let's 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 keep our, let's put it out there. Let's, let's, let's <laughs> never know. You, know, you never know. You never know. You never. So, know. as a fan myself, and and a lot of my community are fans as well. Do you guys know where we can find any merchandise in regards to X Men animated series? Um, well, now that you mention it, segue. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you mentioned it. Uh, we've recently come to know people at a couple places. These are really high-end places, but there's there's half a there are half a dozen companies that are coming up not only with just X Men uh, merchandise, but specifically X Men '92 our show, the animated series character merchandise. A um, uh, place called Mondo, you know the Wolverine meme that you were talking about with the photograph. Yeah, Wolverine Crush. Yeah, that they they've just for that was going to come out at San Diego Comic-Con, they just sold, a, they just created a, uh, a wonderful figure of Wolverine lying back in bed with, with, the, with the photograph. And that's one of many 
you know, they're they're planning to do a whole series of really nice uh, figures based on our show. And they've been smaller. I can't. I don't remember the names of the companies, but they've been been smaller, cheaper uh, series that come out in the last year. And Sideshow, which is a big, beautiful, you know, like state of the art uh, sculpture level stuff. That's true. They're they're how they have done a series of stuff with our show. So our show is getting a lot of love from those from those people uh, with merch. Look on the Mondo. Uh, uh, website. They're also starting to do uh, posters. Oh, that was fun. That was the coolest. I we saw it was one of the coolest looking things we saw. Uh, they did a poster for Night of the Sentinels, which is the opening two parter for X Men: The Animated yep. Series. Yeah, I love that those episodes. Yeah, and so there's a beautiful poster that they designed for that. And in talking to them, they plan to do many more. They plan to you know maybe do twenty or thirty of them. So so there is great interest among. Um, the merchandise community to continue to 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 use our and our 90s uh show to do x-men stuff i am aware so that that's mondo entertainment that sideshow collectibles also disney is releasing uh x-men right. animated stuff into the universe uh, like the no they're not yes they are oh that's amazing okay and then all, i'm seeing uh, walmart and target each have like exclusive uh, uh x-men nice. figures again no one's called us but i am aware that those are out there <laughs> and it stuff looks real good it yeah. really does so if you're if you're if you like if you're a collector it's gonna be i think i am this <laughs> couple of years are gonna be very serious years for this but speaking now, of merchandise speaking i was gonna say this is your this is your shadow julia okay <laughs> 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 I have in my hands here. Um, oh, we've got we we have two books that are specifically exclusive examinations of good old X Men the animated series. The first one, uh, previously on X Men, came out in 2017. It is a deep dive oral history about the making of the show. Um, over 400 pages. Eric interviewed Ooh. everybody, um, and all uh, the cast, all, all the you know the writers, the executives. And we couldn't get Marvel to return our phone calls, so we, we did this as a labor of love. And so it came out, and fan response has been very positive to that. But then we got an email. Yeah, <laughs> once they got the rights together, we got an email from Marvel, and we thought, oh, my God, they looked at our book, which we've been selling at cons, and they were getting mad at us for doing it without their permission. And no, it wasn't that. It was that they loved the, the book that we'd done, and they want, now that they had the rights back, they wanted to do a big art book, a big coffee table book about the about the series. And so, so now X Men: The Art and Making of the Animated Series by the two of us is now available, and it is what was it? Nearly three pounds of art. It's four pounds of art. Four pounds of art. It's it. We got to go like Indiana Jones into Larry Houston's various storage units. Yeah, and yeah, we dug around and found all you know old stuff from 30 years ago, which which took some doing. There is stuff that has not seen the light of day since the show first and ran. A lot, and original art by original people, art by yeah. artists that worked on the show. The the cover of the book and art inside it. There's all sorts of stuff. There's designs of the characters from every single episode. Yep. Uh, uh, in, and lots and lots of of cells, uh, animation cells. So find it. us at xmentas.com. Uh -huh. And we have links there. Yeah. Also on Twitter as X-Men TAS for X-Men the Animated Series. And we've got a Facebook page. I'm trying to do more Instagram. You found us. So, you know. Um, I did. Yeah. You're, you're doing a good job. <laughs> like, uh, I find you everywhere that, that you, like, open up. So. Oh, well, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Thank you. 
So um, yeah, please find us. That would be wonderful. Xmentas.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will go visit there and I will plug that because I'm going to definitely look. Um, are both books still being sold or just the one from oh, yes. Marvel? Okay. Yes, so they are both out there. Uh, we, uh, they are both available on Amazon. I mean, these are these books are actual books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you could do it through our links or the our links on Twitter the, as the, well. The, the the big the big recent one, the big Marvel art book, tends to be available in large bookstores or comic book stores. The other one, the the oral history where we interview everybody, that was a smaller publisher and they had they can't really afford to get it out to everybody. So that either get it on Amazon or you can get it online. If you buy it online uh, from the publisher, which is uh, Jacob's Jacob Brown, Brown Media, Jacob's Jacob, Brown Media, Jacob's Brown Media, it'll be a, a signed hardback copy. They had me sit down and sign a couple thousand of them, so so they'll uh, it'll uh, you know you get your signed copy from them. I'll do that. I definitely yeah. want that one. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for the time. I understand you guys are probably pretty busy, so that that was an hour and eight minutes we're approaching. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I can keep going if you want. I'm not gonna lie. I, I love talking. But I I also want to respect you. Yeah. Oh, whoops. Oh, yeah. You know what? We uh, we got a busy dog here, and we've got a couple of young adult sons who've arrived, and we need to go. Uh, uh, be a we be a family. Be a, be a dysfunctional family <laughs> yeah. with them. Yep. So, but did we lose you? Well, here a mentor. It's been a treat. Thank you so much. Well, I'm still here. Oh, oh good. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, we thought for a minute we lost. But okay, yeah, it's it's been great. Oh, I know what happened. I was getting a phone call. I didn't even see it. So that's what happened. Ah, okay. Yeah, so I apologize for that. But yeah, I, I wanted to bring you both on. Well, sorry, Julia, but then Eric came on, which is more than I'm so glad you did. Um <laughs> I apologize for not marketing you in the in the ads. Oh, um, I know. But okay. Uh I was just saying that I'm very, very thankful that you guys are being recognized because I honestly feel you guys are part of the MCU. My, ah. my opinion, you guys are part of the Marvel legacy, and you are my introduction to to, to the X Men. And I went into the X Men live series with full intent of comparing it to the animated series. <laughs> and I will proudly state that I prefer the animated series over the live action, even though I do love the live action as well. Yeah. And I'm very excited for the future that we have for the X Men coming. But I hope you guys get that phone call. Yeah. For Boy. Like, I hope you do because <laughs> I can't wait to see that that celebratory tweet that you say, you know, and even take me in it too. Say, Hero Mentor, we did it. And <laughs> I will be there to celebrate. Wouldn't that be fun? Okay. Yeah. I think it would. Um, now, on top of this, this is the uh, audio portion of uh, Community Assembled. I also do have a video portion for Twitch. So I'm thinking that if you guys are up for it, that maybe later on I can have you guys come on video and use that as an opportunity as well to help uh, share the books. I'm sure we could do that. We, we're actually we, sitting in our little corner right now where we have it kind of set yeah. up for video as well. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, so if you to, yeah, if you want to schedule, that'd be great. I can definitely do it. I'll look at my schedule and I'll, I'll send you guys a Twitter message. Or actually, no, I have an email, and I, I'm assuming that you prefer emails. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, okay. I will email you like a tentative like idea, but I would definitely love to have you guys on video so you guys can show the book and whatever. That and would be nice. That'd be very nice. I totally thing. agree. But nonetheless, thank you so much for this this time tonight. I well, I really you. appreciate you guys and I value you both. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate that. 
celebrating all things good old X-Men. Right, right. X-Men, X-Men loyalty. But thank you so much for coming on Community Assembled, and we will definitely schedule you on video. Excellent. Okay, all right. Have a good you. evening. You bye -bye. too. Okay, bye-bye.